you know, you might be right. And I guess maybe there's like a little bit of ego in all of us to think that anything we make is going to matter if it lasts or not. All right, it's Tuesday. It's uh, it's January thirty. Wait, is this wait April, uh, thirty days? Has September, April, June, and oh, so we have one more day. One more day. One more. All right. I was one thinking day tomorrow. More. One. Another day, another destiny. Oh my Christ! It's Broadway Tuesday. Never ending road to Calvary. <laughs> Sounds a little Ethel Merman. I don't know who you're channeling, <laughs> but it's <laughs> Harry Carey. <laughs> if you were a hot dog, would you um, eat yourself? I know I hey, would. What? Two things. Well, it's on Taking Pictures. It's episode 301. It's Bill Wadman in Brooklyn as Jeffrey Sidoris in, in, in uh, uh, Jesus, where am I? Silver, Silver Spring. Spring. Yeah, thanks. Um, we saw the, 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 the shape of water over the weekend. Well, I missed that one. The, the Del Toro, Guillermo Del Toro yep. movie. Yep. I liked it a lot. But? There's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hold any detail. There's one scene that I didn't think worked. Okay. It took, it took me and what kind Fielding of tease and I is this? It. it took us out of the narrative. It was oh, the, it's the one scene that, that you just, you find yourself, you kind of go, wait, what, what's going on? Is there a gratuitous monster penis scene or something? N- no, no. Okay. Uh, it's, it's a, well, I'll just tell you, it's a dance number. What? Yeah. Th- okay. That's exactly it. That, that's the response, right? Well, what? You know, having not seen the movie and only knowing a little bit about it and a few screenshots, I didn't imagine there would be a dance number. Exactly. That's my point. I get what they were trying to do. Anyway, beautiful. His color grading, whoever, you know, whoever's doing the color grading, I'm sure at, at Guillermo's, you know, direction, but man, he does beautiful movies. They're just lush, right? Yep. Um, Anyway, you and I were talking about, this is, this is interesting, kids. Welcome. (laughs) Hi. Um, This is what usually happens. We usually have a... 20 minute conversation before we start the show. And right. Then, and then one of us or both of us will go, wait, 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 let's just start. Let's, let's yeah. just get this on. So we were talking about, about, uh, the new, the new Macs, yeah. uh, the, the Mac pro versus a regular yeah. iMac or iMac pro, sorry, yeah. versus a regular iMac. And, and Bill was saying that, that that would be like that, like 10 core. That's a great machine, you know, right. to be able to do. And my question, which I didn't ask, but my question to you is, with the increased horsepower, would you find yourself wanting to go into different areas? Would you find yourself oh, want? This is my question for the for the Q and A show. Would you find yourself wanting to do more video? Let's say because I know you enjoyed making short films when you've made them. Yeah, yeah. So having having less frustration on the back end of actually producing those those things, editing, color grading, et cetera, would you be more inclined to go in that direction if if the actual technical process was not so time, labor, and 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 equipment intensive? Um that is a good question. Uh I, I don't feel particularly equipment constrained when it comes or certainly not computer equipment constrained when it comes to any sort of video stuff that I do. Yeah. Um Although the other day, and I'll put a link in the show notes, uh, I put up a video. I did a talk last year where I talked through the making of a bunch of those dream pictures that I right. finally right. got around to actually turning into a thing with slides and stuff because it's very time consuming to do that. But I'll put a link in the show notes. But the 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 talk was an hour and 20 minutes long, an hour and 15 right. minutes long. And it took almost real time to export that as MP4. Now. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. It took like at, over at an hour. 1080p? Or what did you, what at were you 1080p. Wow. Yeah. So- 
And just by comparison, do you have a sense? What would that 10 core iMac Pro? I would probably buy the 8 core, but uh, let's say it would take 25 minutes or 20 minutes to export. You know what I mean? Because think of it, it's my machine is five, six year old processor. So give it 20 or 30% just for the generations, plus twice as many cores, plus they're all running a little faster, plus the super fast storage and memory. So let's say it would be 20 minutes instead of over an hour, you know? Um, Now, so worth it. Yeah. I mean, worth it in the sense that like, oh, shoot, I made a mistake or I want to change something or, you know, I, I exported it and I sent it to a handful of people and they had comments and I went and made changes and then I'd export it again. And you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So yeah, I don't know. Um, that is a good question. And while there's nothing that I do in my normal standard sort of Photoshop setup that I'm really waiting for my computer all that often. Right. Um, every once in a while, things are not, not wonky, but like, um, lately, and I don't know if it's the Wacom driver, but if I'm moving points around in curves, sometimes when I let go, it doesn't let go of the curve. You know what I mean? Like I, hmm. I, I, I pick so it up by slide. You still got a go. point selected. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm holding huh. a point and I'm moving it around and I lift off and the point like snaps back to where it was or whatever. I'm like, ugh, you know, it's, it's probably some stupid thing with the Wacom driver. Cause I've used an old Intuos three or whatever. Um, right. but like little things like that. So let's, let's say all of that went away and like all the frustration, would it be a smooth? I think about this a lot. Cause you wrote me yesterday and said, Oh, look, micro center has the, the iMac pro, the base level $5,000 machine on sale, thirty nine ninety nine. Yeah. It's 10 blocks away off. from where I live. Go get one, you know, and I'm like, well, I don't have the cash at the moment. You want to lend it to me, Sidoris? Um, <laughs> yeah, let me give you some of this book money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, can I have some of that I'm making money? it rain right yeah. and left over here. Um, but, but and, and, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I would love to go get it. Would that appreciably make my life easier? Is there anything about my computer that's actually stopping me from doing what I want to do? You know? Right. And it's even you and me, I mean, you, you know, you made this book, you and I both have these super old Hackintoshes and yet there's really, I mean, other than you doing, getting a better video card, which you've talked about for a while. Yeah. That's the big bottleneck. And that's only for gaming. That's not for my Mac side. Right, 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 right. That, right, right. The, the, the Mac side's not going to run appreciably any better because right. I don't do 4k video. Well, I, don't, I don't do any video, let alone 4k, but right, right. you know, and, and that begs the question, you know, computer wise, when is it, when is it appropriate to upgrade is it every other generation is it every third generation because you and i how many gens are we behind now on on current chips four but 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 i feel like you and i were also the kind of people who during from 1995 say to 2010 or 2013 or whenever we made these machines 2012 yeah. i guess it was yeah i built a new machine every other year maybe every yeah. 18 months yeah. this right is, this is by far the longest i've gone without building a new machine or buying a new machine one of the right. other Right, right, right. And it, w- the interesting thing is that, and I mean, it kind of reminds me of, um, um, what's his name? John Syracuse, who's still using a cheese grater that's 10 years old. Right. Now. It's like 2009 right. or whatever, right? He's, he's like, I want to get to 10 years, you know? And <laughs> He'll do it. <laughs> and you think, you know, from a, from a processor point of view, it's probably fine if it's an eight core Mac Pro cheese grater or whatever it is. Like that, that's not really that big of a bottleneck for a lot of things and no bare were they feats. wait were they using the xeon was xeon a thing back then oh yeah 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 They've okay so that's Xeons that's forever. still yeah you know, faster uh throughput than than like our chips are right 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 and then and then you go to you know barefeats.com you ever go there and, yep, and look yep, okay yep. 
and they'll they'll stick a new GPU in a you know in the latest cheese grater, which is like from 2010, I think. They'll stick a new GPU or they'll stick a PCIe SSD, and it'll be as fast or faster than or you know keeping up with in the same ballpark as any of the new Macs. You know, so if you wanted to stick really fast storage in a new GPU in that machine, like how far are you off of a brand new fancy machine that costs thousands right. of dollars, right? Um, I mean, so, here, here's a look. I'm on eBay right now. Apple Mac Pro Beast, yeah. 12 core, 2.4 gigahertz from 2012, 24 gigs of RAM, a terabyte drive, 900 bucks. You, you up, upgrade the, the yeah, video that, card in spend that. Spend $1,000 for two grand. You have a pretty nice machine. Yeah, you're in the game. Right, exactly. And so- why pay $4,000? I mean, with this iMac Pro, you get a really nice screen, blah, blah, blah. I understand all that. The one thing you don't get from one of those uh, old Mac Pros, there's no USB 3. So I think you can get cards that put it in there, right? Mm-hmm, there's no mm-hmm. Thunderbolt 3. Like, y- there is a point. Yeah, that- you, you just said something critical that, that Apple has missed the boat on for years. What can you put in these, Bill? Oh, yeah, cards. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is which is the whole point of those, right? Is that you can keep them 10 years later, eight years later, you can still put stuff in them and make them fairly current. You know what I mean? Certainly in the running, as you were saying. Yeah, sure. Uh, you're in the game because they have these slots that you can stick stuff in. And so there are people who go and they'll put, you know, as I said, a, a NVMe PC, uh, uh, a PCI Express SSD in there and they'll get to gigs a second or whatever the hell you know these other ones are running at um do you have to do anything for the system ids to be able to run like high sierra because it's still it's well the system yeah that's is still the reporting thing, right? that it's you are now getting to the point i think the last generation of the cheese graders can still run the new one but older than that you can't or something like that i i may be wrong um and so there, you yeah, still there may have to, to put some it. sort of text in there and and right right yeah. right and 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 that's the thing we're getting to th- that point which is the point i was going to make is that we're getting to the point where the software won't let you or you know what i mean i need the latest version of mac os to be able to run the newest version of uh i was running yosemite up until like last year because um lcap didn't do anything for me and Sierra, there was, and I was just like, you know what, this is fine. It's stable. It's whatever. And then a new version of Capture One came out and it's like, well, requires LCAP or later. And it's like, Ugh. right. You know, so now we're getting to the point where you're behind on the OS. You can't even use the latest stuff because you need the new OS, but the new OS doesn't run on the old hardware, even though the hardware is whatever. Um, so even, you, you know, you said to me before the show started, like, oh, maybe buy one of these refurb you know, 5k IMAX. And it's like, yeah, that's great. As long as it's the newest generation. Cause if you're going to buy a new machine, you want one with Thunderbolt three with USB three with the USB C connectors, you know, the one that's going to last for a while. Cause it's pretty much going to look like this for the next few years, you know, um, it, 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 you're right. It's, it, what, when do you really need to upgrade? I think somebody said to me the other day, these, um, this couple lives around the corner from us and, and I went up to the diner and they were sitting there and they're like older couple, like not older, but you know, 20 years older, they're early sixties say. And, uh, and I sat down with them and had some food with them and they, and they said, you know, we have, you know, we bought this new iMac and like, I didn't even think the, uh, you know, we bought a new one because the old, the old one, like they don't make these things to last. And I was like, when did you buy it? She's like 2008. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Leslie, that's a 10 year old computer. That's a pretty good run. You know, it's not a DeSoto. Exactly. She just, you know, she's like, they don't make these things to last anymore. She's got 10 years out of it. So right. there is a certain 
thing where I think nowadays, as you and I have proven, you can have an old computer and it's fine. But the minute all the storage starts going to USB-C, well, now our Macs aren't as, you you know, our Hackintoshes aren't as useful because we don't have the right connectors or we don't have the right, you know. And it's uh, always some little thing, like the front connectors will work, but the rear ones won't, or vice versa. Right, 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 right. And, and I'm fine buying an iMac as my next computer. Like, I've mm-hmm. kind of resigned myself to it. And as I've mentioned before, I kind of feel like if I go spend four grand on one of these iMac Pros and it lasts me almost as long as this one does, it lasts me four years or whatever it is, right? So that's $1,000 a year. That's $3 a day. That's not, that's perfectly reasonable amount of money and and to, to spend. And who knows, by 2022 or whatever the hell it'll be when I buy a new computer, maybe it won't be Mac OS anymore. Maybe iOS <laughs> Which will be that coincidentally good. when Apple will release the modular Mac Pro. Exa- well, that is the <laughs> other question, right? It's like, do you just wait for whatever this new Mac Pro is going to be? But now that Intel, because of the Spectre stuff, is they say they're going to put out redesigned chips by the end of 2018. Right. So, so Apple will probably hedge will their bets Apple and just wait. wait. Yeah, I think they will. Right. So now Apple you know, so now we're not talking this summer, now we're talking maybe early twenty nineteen. It's like, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with my computer, but do I want it for a whole other year? You know? Right. right and right, right. not for nothing, one last thing, with the text code changes, writing more stuff off doesn't help me as much because the right. you know, the the uh deduction, the standard deduction went up. So yeah. it's not like Oh, well, you know, I, I bought this and I bought a camera. I bought a couple lenses because it's tax free. Any, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's kind yeah. of pre-tax. Unless anyway, you're going to get, I think the, the married uh, uh, standard deduction is now 12,000. Oh, no, I thought it's like 12,700. Yeah. So it's like, I, I'm not. So yeah. you get into these situations where it's like, well, that's one less reason to buy stuff, you know, because that <laughs> right. used to be a thing. Like I haven't spent any money this year on gear that i can write off so i'm gonna go buy something but i'm less likely to if i'm getting that deduction anyway and not right um so yeah i don't know i mean if i were you i would not buy the one with the fusion drive i would definitely get one with an ssd yeah but other than that if the i5 does it for you if you know the 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 gpu in there even the one in the regular imac the not super high-end one is still way faster than the what do you have in your thing 60 6850 your 6850 you have in there it's probably twice as fast you know, uh, I would imagine at least. Yeah. So I, you know, and what is it? Two grand? Yeah. Yeah. It's less. Seventeen hundred. Yeah. So I mean, that's for that machine with that screen built in. I mean, that screen right there is twelve hundred dollars right there. Yeah. You're basically buying a six hundred dollar computer. You're slapping on the back. Yeah. Right. Right, right. Which is, you know, stupid. Even the one that I want, the regular iMac, all spec'd out, one terabyte SSD. Uh, uh, with the with the uh, um, thirty two gigs of RAM straight from Apple. If I didn't want to deal with upgrading afterwards, it's like thirty five hundred dollars, hmm. which isn't terrible. But then no. you go, well, if the other one's thirty nine hundred dollars. Gives me twice as many cores, ECC RAM, blah blah blah. Like, yeah. yeah if it's a five hundred dollar difference, that's a no brainer. Then you get the Pro, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's got it's got more PCI Express lanes on the on the chipset of of the Pro. So therefore the Thunderbolt connection. It's got two Thunderbolt chips in there, so there's a lot more bandwidth in there. So right. in the long haul, you know, you could always get one of those little external two hundred dollar boxes that gives you HDMI and a bunch more USB ports and right. more. You know, anyway, nothing. We got All tons right. of questions to ask. Let's let's dive in. 
Let's dive in, shall Hold we? Hold on a second. Let me put on my suit. <laughs> oh, jeez. Great. Great. All right. You go Banana first. hammock. <laughs> hey, by the way, you know those things that the those uh, chairs that you use for outside where you just kind of swing them around to get air in them and you seal them and you can sit down on it? You know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. They make these things. It's like it folds up into nothing and you unpack it and you just kind of swing it through the air almost like a like a wind vane, you know, like a weather. Like oh, a, and a, it just it it, it fills inflates? up and it like shrink and you like seal it and you can like sit on it like a little couch out on the lawn. Never seen one, but it sounds oh, kind of cool. Yeah, it's I, I don't know what they're called. I'm sure somebody who's listening is going to be like, I have one of those. Uh, right. Somebody told us it was really good. Anyway, go ahead. Daniel. All right. Uh, Daniel. Hey, guys, I'm writing from Sydney, Australia, and wanted to know if there are any photography blogs you frequent. Really great show you make. Inspiring. Congratulations on 300. Thank you very much. Bill, what do you got? Where do you go? <laughs> I don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, don't surf the net. No, I, I do surf the net, but I, ne- I very rarely. I mean, you know, sometimes I'll peruse the obvious stuff, the the petapixel full blographer blah blah yeah. blah just to see if there's anything on there that's interesting um but i honestly don't i guess okay right. so Here, I'll, I'll give you mine i'll give wait, you mine. Could, wait, could lens we, culture okay oh lens culture that's a good one uh huck magazine also a terrific one british journal of photography pdn online um those are probably my favorites uh brain picking you know, and I end up at a lot of those when uh, uh, somebody points me there. Yeah. Because we get a lot of email from people sending us stuff or people. Yeah, go look at this or saw this. Photo- Do you guys know this photographer? Which yeah, 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 a lot yeah, of yeah. times we don't. So thank you. Yeah. Um, I will put a link, by the way, to a bunch of these in there. Um, I Yeah, I don't. It, I guess I just don't think to just spend time perusing a lot of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes it makes me depressed and sometimes it just makes me feel like I wasted time. So I just, you know, uh, you know what I mean? I should be working, not looking. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Sure. Or God, that person's so much better than me. Why do I even bother? Right. I got you. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't jump in too deep, but, uh, yeah. And and boing boing sometimes has some interesting old, like historical stuff too, that Corey Mm -hmm. puts up. Um, so yeah, there are there are a lot, but uh, I generally am not looking that much. Every once in a while, I'll look at some of those things to see. Like, I don't keep up on gear quite as much as I used to. So sometimes I'll just bruise and be like, oh, oh, there's a new thing by so-and-so. Huh, that's interesting. Right, right, you right, right. Um, but I don't dig that deep. Uh, let's see. Uh, words for... Do, do, you remember, do you remember this email? I can't remember if it was one? an email or whether it was a, a Twitter message, but I can't find it. Uh, it must be Twitter because that doesn't look familiar to me, and I don't think I missed something. I wonder. I wonder uh, what it is. So okay. The the, the gist of it. In, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. The, the gist of it was about awards. Go ahead. Uh, uh, awards for female photographers, specifically instead of just photographers. Why call out women? So the argument is 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 against this kind of idea, or or why? Yeah, I th- I think that was the tone of it. Was was you know do you, it's not helping to to single out women why not just call them photographers why do we have to call them female photographers yeah okay um hmm okay wow we're jumping right into this one (laughs) right and i I mean Uh, i get it i get the question yeah as a general rule of thumb i like the idea of everyone being equally you know everyone has an equal chance of winning some kind of thing and breaking things up by 
all kinds of, by gender or by race or whatever it is. Like I, ultimately we need to get to the point where we're all equal, right? You know, in, in the I, eyes of all these But I think that's things. the key. Ultimately we need to get right, there, but right, right, right now, right, right, right. like it or not, we're right. not. And there is an argument to be made that, you know what, there, there, there aren't as many, I mean, look, you and I, when we find female photographers whose work we like, we try to highlight them as our photographer of the week. But I don't know Absolutely. if anybody, I don't know if we've ever done a numbers thing, but in 300 episodes, let's say we've been doing it for 250 episodes of photographer of the week. I bet you there are, yeah, I don't know, let's say 20 or 30% female, right. right? Right. And now some of that is you and I are just not aware of as many female photographers. Some of it is that female photographers have had less standing in the history of photography for certainly early patriarchal on, yeah. reasons yeah, and whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's lots of reasons for that, but we try to bring it out as much as we can. So in this case, is it worthwhile to point out female photographers? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's I fine. Um, I think un- until, I mean, it, it at least, and I'm probably going to screw this up and I hope you guys know what I mean by this, but until such time as it is, as it is more equal and, and women do have, a, a better representation in, yeah. in, in photography and the arts. I think that it is important to recognize them. Yeah. Recog- you know, and, and if, and if the only way to do that, or, or one of the only ways to do that right now is to have, you know, the Julia Margaret Cameron awards for women photographers, then so be it. Because then at least a light, small relative to the rest of the industry is being shown on just female photographers. Uh, I agree. The, 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 the question though, the, the uh, secondary question for, for you mm-hmm. is if, 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 if the case is that this is a, uh, award for female photographers, does yep. the work need to, should, or any sort of word like that be related to f- fe- like a specifically female subject matter in some way? Whether I don't think so. No. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that, that's I think the I think that the the work the merit of the work should stand on the merit of the work, not necessarily um, the subject matter. Right. And and subject matter that relates only to women. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. What do you think about that? When 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 an artist is making work that is and 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 I don't mean this as a negative thing. I'm just using it as a word like sort of narcissistic in the sense that it's about them or what they are you know what i mean like a uh a, a female photographer who only shoots issues about uh abortion or childbirth or you know what i mean like things that are very specifically female i have um, no problem with it i would just say does is the work good because the work's good or right. is the work good because the issue is important to you right are you, okay, are that, you, are you giving the issue the weight and the importance or are you or are you able to see the work for what it is okay and, and i it, think those are two different discussions if it is if it's about the issue being better more important than the work is good that kind of makes you take pause or or i don't know that it makes me take pause but i think those are two different i think those are two different discussions if you want to if you want to recognize someone for for doing this type of work in yeah. this field or around this subject matter, I think that's one type of recognition that that could doesn't have to, but could exist uh, 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 separate from is it good work? Yep, I, I agree. 
I agree. Is it, I mean, is it important and is it good could be two different questions and have two different answers. It doesn't have to be, but I think it could have two different answers. Right, right. Are we highlighting this from a specific photographer because of the subject matter and otherwise this wouldn't be noticed? You know what I mean? And -hmm. and, because that Mm -hmm. is an element of it. You know, this is a photographer of this type, right? Making this kind of work, which is important to them, but may not, if it was just neutral photographer who was making it somebody who had nothing to do with any of this would it still be seen as that you right know? um it's a good question I, I and i don't i kind of it's it's a it's a issue that i haven't quite come down on a on an opinion yeah. about i hope the answer will continue to evolve as as the the the, the playing field continues to level yeah. And um, the democratization of photography and, and, you know, women's rights in general and all the rest of it. And, you know, it, rights of all kinds of people around the world. Minorities have been, well, women are not really a minority in the sense that they're a majority, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, traditionally classes that have been overlooked, uh, become uh, a bigger part of society in, in a way. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Um, see diving right in with something, <clears throat> something that's a heavy one, right? Uh, Justice Pang. Oh, this is for you. Uh, uh, (laughs) I want to know this too, Justice. Uh, whatever happened to those last few slices of fancy film, uh, AKA Polaroid 55 that you've been hanging on to since they were discontinued. Did you ever end up, uh, killing them over 2017? Did you shoot those slices? Uh, I have not. And, uh, it's, that's, that's a good question. Cause I was, I was, when we got this question, I was, Thinking about the fact that I should pull them out and try them. The, the would, would you, Bill, would you link to a couple of your 55 portraits? So just so people can see, if you've never seen Polaroid 55, it really is yeah. a beautiful film. Can you link to a couple uh, of yours yeah, in the show let me notes? see if there's a, I think I have a specific type. Especially the, the, the one guy in the suit and the glasses kind of <clears throat> looking off to the side. Suit and the glasses looking off to the side. I will see if I can find that. Yeah, it's at the bottom of this page. You know um, what I'm talking about? Uh, He's I like an Italian guy, Giuseppe or oh, Giovanni uh, or something. Uh, it's Pino. Pino. Uh, Pino. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because uh, Pino is a coworker of my sister's uh, who was in town one day and uh, he uh, – <laughs> Let me see a link. Put a link in there because I, uh, I, I remember really liking that photo. Uh, hold on a second. Yep, 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 yep. I'm trying to figure out how I can get to – God, how the hell do I get to an actual thing? There we go. All right. If I just click there, you can scroll down. I'm trying to figure out how I can get to the actual. Uh, what is thing. it in Skype? Did you put it in Skype? Uh, yeah, yeah, I put it in Skype. Um, let's see, Polaroid 55. Let's see if I can get to this. Um, yeah, it's uh, it is an interesting. I get this. Uh, so this film is is for those of you who don't know is a is a large format film. So it's four by five film, and it is made of. Um, it's made so it gives you a negative and a positive right out of the camera. So this is like a pretty cool little uh, way to take pictures and get a, a black and white, really high resolution negative straight out of the camera, which is like amazing. Um, the, 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 that's the good thing about it. The bad thing about it is that it's been discontinued for a long time and it needs piles of light. So mm. it's essentially ISO 25. Right, um, right. So you need to, okay, I found a link to get to the whole thing. Okay, I'll add that to show notes. Um, so it's the kind of film where uh, I really liked it, and it was nice because you could just use it for uh, to take 
pictures with your four by five and you'd have this nice negative you could scan that was as good as if you had shot black and white film. It had a very particular look. A lot of people like the borders. Um, they stopped making it in 2008, I think it was. Um, and I kept a few slices of it and they're in my fridge and I got to pull them out. Uh, quick side story. I was at uh, my agent's house about a year ago and we were looking for gels to take this picture at her house. And she's like, I think I have some in my camera box downstairs and we open it up and there's a bag full of Polaroids, like four by five Polaroid sheets. And I was like, <gasps> you know, um, it was like the gold thing. It was like <laughs> scrolls from the library right, at Alexandria, right, you right, know, right. <laughs> um, the heavens part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they were completely, uh, dried out. What happens is the pods that have the chemicals in them just get dried out, which is what happens yeah. to these films. Um, the nice thing about, about it is that there was a guy and I may have mentioned this before on the show some guy in Japan who's basically used a humidor and put these films in it in this super high humidity environment and basically rehumidified the packs sort of reconstituted them yeah that's yeah because you just need to put the water back in and I've been thinking about doing it because I I took her film and I have it here and I mean look it's never going to come out good and if you look at some of these pictures I took on 55 back in the day you know the quality is nice and even for the most part right like they're they're they were they were good quality if i do right. that now they're going to be way, like, far more streaky and yeah. and all yeah. the rest of it right this is just typical Still might be sort interesting of, as an experiment absolutely and 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 i really should use them i i was holding on to them and then i forget about them and whatever i should just pull out the four by five shoot them and use them as one of these daily portraits in fact maybe i'll do it today um which could be kind of fun to just shoot somebody. Uh, I can even do it outside or something like that. Anyway, so yeah, I have not used them. I should use them. I will use them. Uh, thank you for the reminder. Um, Jason, let's see. Esperanza Spalding created an album in 77 hours on Facebook, live on Facebook. Uh, yes, I do. I know this. Her concept, in fact, I think they did it at uh, studios at Berkeley, as I recall. Her concept is explained in the video at the link. My question is, uh, what could this look like for a photographer? Would something like this work? Would you have to choose a preset work in film? Uh, it would be interesting to have a kind of live performance with no edits. It's an interesting concept. Um, yeah, I saw this and I watched a little bit of it. And it's interesting because when I was back in the music world, if you watch her making this record and somebody comes in to do work with her on on the record or whatever it is, and she sits down and she's like, I, I'm thinking something like this. And the other guy goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. What if we do this? And she goes, oh, yeah. You know, it's like this back and forth bouncing collaboration thing. Right, which, right. But you're watching it unfold in real time. Right, 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 right. And yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it just shows how stuff, especially in music, doesn't come out fully formed. It's like, oh, I have this seed of an idea mm-hmm. that somebody takes and you grow and you grow and you grow. And I find, at least in my experience, there's a level of collaboration in music that is implicit to music. Like you, you have to collaborate if you're going to play with somebody else is like the definition. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's much more easier, easy to show that kind of process, but you could certainly stick a camera on. I mean, uh, what's his name? Does it all the time. Uh, um, uh, well, lots of people, Carl does it all the time. Doesn't he just stick a camera on sometimes and like right. show shoots? I mean, but I wonder if you could do if you could introduce uh, a, a degree of randomness into it, where you could say, "Okay, tell you what, from from twelve to four on Sunday, yep. I'm going to be at this studio. Yep, and I want to see who shows want, up. Yeah, I want to see as many different kinds of people. 
the freakier the better, the more interesting the better, the the yep. more eccentric the better. Let's see who shows up. And you don't don't take any sort of notice until you you don't see them until they walk into the environment. Sure. So we see you going, yeah. "Oh, okay. Uh you're what do wearing I do an that guy? suit or you yeah, know whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh what do I do? Um <laughs> You're going to come all the way up here for this?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, it, that, that might be interesting and just yeah. let the thing run yeah. and maybe, maybe do the, 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 you know, the, the thing where you've got like a GoPro mounted on the hot shoe of your camera. So we see what you see. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I could certainly, I've, I've thought about doing that for, uh, some of these 55s, just like basically sticking a camera on when we're, when we're shooting just to have something to, uh, to, to see. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so people can follow along. I know she, you do this, you do the Instagram live thing. Sometimes your feed looked pretty good. Mine is always like a little jumpy. Like my upstream bandwidth isn't great. Um, huh. and I haven't quite, I, I don't know out why. why, although I am, when I'm downstairs, I'm only about 10 feet from the router. Oh, so I don't know if three that's feet from the router here. So I don't, oh. yeah, it's oh, like so right next to it. me. So that's not it. Yeah. I, I, and maybe it was just like a, bad internet weather day or something like that you know yeah i've also tried i tried youtube live streaming my screen and i'll tell you that's the problem with having a 4k or 5k screen is that having your computer do that in the background basically crunching oh. video and uploading it while you're working there's a good thing where eight cores would probably make a difference right because right, then right, right. three of the cores could be crunching video Otherwise, you have to go back down to like 1920-1080. Right, which is like, I'm not going to work at 10, you know what <laughs> don't I mean? Ask, like, don't ask Bill to work at 1080 anymore. He's drunk yeah. the Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Real deep. Um, yeah, I, I think, Jason, that's a good, it's a good idea. Uh, I, you know, what would it look like? I think maybe it would be like Jeffrey's saying, oh, a particular place and time and let's see what happens. Uh, mm -hmm. You could also show the process of, you know, if I had an idea for a new conceptual thing, just going to stick a camera on and like watch it go. The thing is for 77 hours, there's a lot of time in there. That's probably not that interesting to watch. Yeah. You know, cause what if it was different locations? What if, what if, what if it was like you? Okay. 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 Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Ready? Ready? Okay. So you get it. You, you get an envelope. Second, I'm not ready. What? Go ahead. Are, are you not? Wait, are you not? <laughs> go ahead. No. Screwing with me. Uh, you get an envelope and it has oh, a location in it monty hall shows up yeah right door number two you've got to go to that location where you will meet your model slash subject and you have to make it work maybe there are lights set up there maybe it's natural light maybe right. there's a speed light sitting there and yep. you've got to make that work when you finish <laughs> sounds that sounds like one, what i've been doing every day for the last year <laughs> right when you finish that one but we're seeing it all in real time yeah, no sure when you finish that one you're given the next envelope you go to the next location and we see Either, either somebody's filming you, but we're along for the ride. So we see the journeys between each of the locations. We see you working through it and you've got the little GoPro on the top of your camera so we can see what you see. It's that a, would be a super cool project. Yeah, that would be like a um, uh, uh, Easter, not Easter egg hunk, hunt. What's the word I'm looking for? Like a scavenger hunt. Scavenger hunt. Yeah. Creative scavenger hunt. Yeah. Where, where you are then, you know, you meet your next... You meet your next model and, and subject or whatever. And, and okay, now what are we going to do? Right, um, right, right. That could be really fun. Yeah, that that actually could be good. It would take a little planning and somebody else right. involved. But you involved. And, and somebody, yeah, somebody else would have to be involved. You'd have to be able to like, like here are some parameters. Like it, it has to be within, let's say, 20 minutes between locations. And you don't get to know about them beforehand. Right. Uh, yeah, that's 
That's a tough one, but yeah. I mean, if we can get a schedule, I'd do it. Sure. Anyway. So um, there you go, Jason. Uh, Kent Miller. Uh, Kent, uh, what are three things you should do to let clients know you are still alive after the holiday break? That's question number one. There are three options? Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Beyond calling. Uh, yeah. uh, number two, part two, uh, is stock still viable for actual income or has it been destroyed by the iPhonographer and GWC? What is the GWC? I don't know. Keep going. Great Western Club? Uh, anyway, yeah, anyway, uh, and part three, vinyl or digital. So what do you got? P- p- part one, what are three things you should do to let clients know that you're still alive after the holiday break? You know, this is a good question be- in the sense that I, I don't know that there's a great answer. I, I was talking to, in fact, uh, Frank had a question way further down that we can kind of jump and splash in here, which is, you know, basically how do you get new work? How do you contact these people? Like how, how you know, how does this all happen? Right. And, you know, there, there are, for a long time, it was mailers and notes and that kind of stuff. And then it was email blasts and then the email blasts went away and then it's mailers again. And then, you know, how do you meet these people? How do you find these people? It, it, the, the funny thing about clients uh, that in, in my experience is that I have no rhyme or reason to how I found clients. I have no rhyme or reason to how I keep clients, you know, people I've actively tried to reconnect with. Nothing happens. People I People that, but then at the same time, somebody will write me out of the blue that I've never met before who saw my work on so-and-so and hire me that I've never seen a very specific measurable sort of ROI on marketing time. And it's something that really bothers me because I, I, you know, I could spend hours sending out emails or making phone calls or sending out mailers or trying to go show my book. But, you know, if I did all of those things 20 times, I might get one person from each of those. And it's like, well, that doesn't give me any information of you know, what is the best way of doing it? Right. It's, you know, right. it's not it, enough metrics to see what's, what's sort of yeah, a direction yeah, yeah. that you should pursue. And, you know, yeah, I have a yeah. friend who for, been a big photographer for years and used to send out tens of thousands of mailers a year. You know, this is like one of his big things. Right. And he used to be very metric based about it where he would say, you know, I got this many hits on my website the week after I sent these out. And that led mm-hmm. to this mm-hmm. many clients calling me and all this kind of stuff. And, he saw these like crazy precipitous drops in all of this, you know, over time. Yeah. Just because, you know, people got a million mailers or maybe it wasn't the kind of work they wanted or people didn't have the budgets or who knows why. Right. Or, or what it is. Um, I, in the last couple of weeks have sent emails to people I haven't worked with for a while, just saying hi, sending some of my new stuff. Um, I, I, you know, the other day I was cleaning out my closet and I, pulled out a bunch of magazines that these pause covers I've done. And I took a picture and put it up and, you know, some people from pause magazine who work for them and themselves like comment and we're like, Oh yeah. And to many more, like let's get doing this stuff again. So, you know, maybe that's a way to go, you know, using, using social media to reconnect with people. Maybe that's an element of it. Right. Um, I, I think there is a definite social media connection. Um, I, I have a photographer friend. Go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to say there, there also is a weird thing of, to me of, well, I let's say in this case, I know all these people at this magazine. Why am I using social media to connect to them as opposed to calling up the art director? Right. You know. Right. Well, in so, that case, yeah. You uh, see what I'm saying? In terms of new business, I have a photographer friend out in LA yep. who uh I I can't remember I think it was 2000 he's doing a, a personal project and he's doing a book of it now and this uh, the 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 project led to like 
most of the major new clients he got for 2015 were on the back of this personal project. Right, and it's, right. it was, it was du- a direct connect where people said, hey, <coughs> I saw this. I want that for us. And he right, ended right, up right, doing right, like, right. you know, m- multiple national campaigns off the back of it. Right, right, right. And but then is that, that, is that I, becoming more the norm or less the norm? Yeah, I think that I think and that's the last thing I was going to say was I think just doing you know, personal work that is interesting to you and then finding a way to get that in front of people's eyes, whether it's by having a big following or sending it to people or getting press about it or whatever it is. I mean, that's always going to be an element of it. I mean, my first jobs I got were on the back of my original daily portrait series in 2007. So, I mean, those, that is the whole idea of, to me, while doing client outreach or future client outreach or current client outreach is always a big thing. It's like, yeah, but do would I be better spent spending that hour just making new work? You know, and right, and right, and you right. know, I have do have an agent who does send out mailers and does all that kind of stuff. I don't know again the percentages and how that all works out, but it's it, sh- it shifts constantly. So I don't know mm-hmm. the answer to that. Uh, is stock still viable for actual income or has it been destroyed by the iconographer and GWC? What could that be? Getty. I don't- I don't think it's been destroyed by the iPhone. I, I think it's been destroyed by the internet, <laughs> the internet and the industry. I mean, look at what's the unsplash. You know about this? No. I was talking to Sean about this the other day. Zach Arias was ranting about how horrible this is. Basically, go to unsplash.com. Um, Free beautiful a, images. Yeah. It's a stock photo site. You upload your images under a Creative Commons license and, and they are available them. to use to anyone for free for any project without attribution, without fee for anything. So who's you, who's putting stuff up here? All kinds of people. Yeah, but Hundreds why? Of why of would they do it? Just because, eh, like, might as well. I mean, to be part of a community, maybe you know this one gets seen. You can use this one for free, but if you if you if you like it, you're going to come to my website and see yeah. more. I don't know. You the know, funny thing is, a lot of these are good pictures. A lot of them are really good pictures. Right. This this is this not is, like the stock photography of of five and right. ten years ago. It's and I'll really tell you, good. man, like I, you couldn't pay me to be a landscape photographer or a street photographer and trying to make money off of that on stock. Right. Like, ugh, you kidding me? That's a nightmare scenario. But, um, you know, one of the things I asked Sean about this, I said, okay, I'm looking at this. What's to stop me from opening a print site and just printing off my favorites of these and selling them as prints? Sure. And he said, nothing. nothing. It's like, uh, well, you know, Jen Beckman was 20 by 200 was selling NASA prints, right? Those are like yeah. files you can download and print on your printer. Like, why yeah, are you there's paying nothing. her for that? So I can, I can yeah. go this, you know, this, this guy, uh, I just first one I clicked on, Phineas Anton, guy yeah. standing in a field of wheat. I can make a print of that, sell it, and I don't have to give Phineas a dime. Right. Nor do I even have to say who who printed or who took the photograph right 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 you know uh that's uh, the kind of thing i think is killing stuff well another old timer i used to know has tens of thousands of images up on alamy or getty or one of those things and right used to make 40 grand a year on stock last couple years ago he made two thousand dollars so that's down to five percent of what it made yeah you know i mean it's and these companies are going you know oh i need a picture you know right. what? I need a picture looking out over Machu Picchu, or I yep. need a picture yep. of, you know, to a, a couple kissing on Angel's Landing over Zion. Yep. Well, oh, there it, it exists. Is. Yeah, yeah. Clarice yep. Meyer, beautiful yep. picture, Clarice. Uh, and um, so, yeah, that sucks. 
I, I, I personally, I don't think it's viable and I have an Alamy account and I have like a handful of images up there, but just the time it takes to put them up there and tag them or whatever it is for the off mm-hmm. chance that in the next five years, somebody's going to find them and send me a check for $30. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, no, it's not worth it to me. It's not worth it. Um, yeah. so yeah, dead, uh, vinyl or digital. Um, don't care. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I'm generally a digital guy. I don't have a turntable. I have listened to $40,000 turntables. I think vinyl is very much dependent on whether you go really high end, really high end vinyl can sound great, but I don't think personally it sounds that much better than really good digital. And it's the I've experience been, yeah. for me. It's the right. experience of the it, record it and demands your attention. And, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, although the other day when I was cleaning out the closet, when Conrad was out of town, uh, you know, I just put on a bunch of, uh, like, I think I just put on the, the Elton John stuff I have in my, mm-hmm. uh, in my iTunes catalog and playing it over the big stereo. And I thought to myself, you know what? I need to just listen to more music. Like I have a really good stereo that I don't listen to nearly enough. You know, I should just put music on, watch less TV, listen to more music. Right. Um, but uh, for me, digital. Uh, Jeremy B. Let's see. Over the last five or six years, as Instagram has become a predominant source for distributing uh, photographic work, I've witnessed a p- pretty clear change in popular styles. I believe there's a distinct correlation between what's readable on a small phone screen and what people tend to shoot now. More readable, simpler images, more bold graphic content. Do you believe that the growth and prominence of mobile social media... Uh, has changed the visual nature of photography. To clarify, do you think that people are adapting their shooting style more for the intended final display of a three-inch square? I know I can personally gauge how well, quote-unquote, uh, a photo will do on mobile platform based on how how phone-readable it is. Uh, it doesn't impact how I shoot because my main goal is larger prints, but in my mind now, before I post some w- shots, wider shots with busier elements tend not to get as much love. Do you see this as good or bad evolution of photography? I think it's a true element of this i don't personally for my own work i see it as neutral to bad but just because i want to start making things where it's like wider and the subject is smaller which as jeremy says aren't as big on the screen on a little tiny screen so don't read as well um i i do find myself even in this series uh, that i'm doing where i'll tend to shoot closer or choose things cropped in a little more or whatever than i normally would because I want to get them a little bigger on a little tiny screen. Hmm. Um, and I've actually argued, not argued this, but I've discussed this with other people saying, you know, it's really weird that if, even though that's not the final place that these things would ever be seen, it is the main place that people are going to see them is on computer screens and phones. Sure. So yeah. More, so it does affect the way you shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I would say that it does. And, and, you know, yeah, if you shoot, you know, all those Crutzen pictures on a little phone do not look as good as they do big, right? Just because, like, the person is three pixels tall in them or whatever. True, you know? but I don't um, think Gregory cares. No, I, mean, I don't it, think Gregory I think it cares. really it, it, it really does depend on the type of work that well, you're doing. Right, and Gregory is, in this case, is, is definitely thinking about the final print as his thing. You know, he's not yeah, thinking about yeah. it. So there's an element of this where it comes down to what you're trying to do, but if you're trying to get likes and notice on Instagram, having your subjects be bigger and the colors be bolder and things be more simple, quote unquote, that, that could be actually, there's an argument to be made that it actually could make people's work better because they're thinking more about fundamentals. 
Maybe, but why not just crop in and show a, a crop detail and say, for the full one, visit my website or see this or, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Why tailor your content? That, that, that Why tailor your vision, content wrong word, tailor your vision, tailor what you see to, and a, I mean, a three inch screen? What, yeah. Wait, is that what he said in there? Three yeah. inch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. kind of phone are you using, dude? <laughs> well, yeah, but look, even if, it's a, even if it's a big screen, if it's square on the screen, it's really only three by three inches. You know, um, yeah, I I don't know. Keep shooting what you're passionate about. Keep shooting. No. Yeah. Yeah. Your vision. I I do understand what he's getting at here though. And I think that it's a, I think it's a true thing that, that people, people, if if something's big in that shot and you could, you know, go in and do a, that'd be an actually an interesting shot. Just basically a macro shot of somebody's eye as one of their portraits or something. Um, that would be a different kind of shot. You know what I mean? That, Mm -hmm. and like, and I bet you it would get a whole lot of likes. You know, Maybe. or whatever, or hearts, or whatever the hell these. I don't know. Are. I mean, look, I I put up a picture of the, of this last painting that I finished. Yep. Um, and it's, I think it's gotten the most likes of anything that I've ever put up. Yep. So and yeah. So what I, I I'm trying to go. Right. What does that mean? I think people I are excited that you're finishing paintings. Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> is it because you want a copy of it? Do you want a print of it? Right. Um, right, right. Cause I, I, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm having photographs taken of them on Wednesday on, on a, three different paintings. So yeah. Okay. I'll put up some prints and if, if it, let's see if it goes beyond a like. Right. Right. right you know, right, right, so it's right, kind right. of a social experiment for me. I'll make prints available <clears throat> and let's see, let's see of the, you know, 200 and some odd people that liked it, how many really want it or is it just, yeah, I like that. Sure. Yeah. Or good for you. Which, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's another element of all of this. Um, yeah, so it's weird. Good question. Um, got the next one. Uh, John, John D does your brain get tired at the art museum? Mm -hmm. Went to the Met to see Hockney and Michelangelo. Wow. Hockney and Michelangelo in the same day. (laughs) They're right next. And they're right next to each other. Are they really? Yes. Oh, wow. The door, you walk out one door, 20 feet. You're in the other one. Yeah. Uh, seems my brain was not capable of both. Did Hockney first. And it was almost like my brain was full. Same thing happened at the Jean-Paul Gaultier uh, retrospective a few years back. Senses just get full. Maybe the question is, what size of museum is the right size? Um, I think that, yes, there's a term for this. Art blind. Is that what it's called? Museum blind. There, there is a term for this, John. It's, it's, basically the idea is that you're, you know, you can only take so much stuff in before you're, you're right. You're full and your brain needs to sort of filter it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I find this when I go see say a jazz performance or something, it's like, I enjoy the music. And then at the end of it, I'm like, yep. Can't hear another thing. Need to walk out. And that needs to filter down. Like I have some sort of sieve that's shaking in my brain that just, you know, um, what the one nice thing about say being a member or being in a town, uh, like I'm a, uh, Conrad and I are members of the Met and MoMA. So I can go into MoMA and not have to spend $27 just to go see one room of stuff. If I really want to, if I want to go stare at Starry Night for five minutes and walk out, I can do that in the same way that you can down in DC. And that allows you to walk in and see one piece or one show and then leave. So that maybe you don't feel as guilty for doing that, which is totally an element of it. And I get that. And, and yeah. Sure. Um, yes, that totally is true. And I think that Hockney and Michelangelo is a little bit too much to chew in one thing because that Michelangelo a, show is also lot, seven rooms. It's huge. So, you know, those are 
exhausting. So yes, wow. uh, the, it's not. I think it's less that the size. What museum is the right size? It comes down to how much time and attention do you have. I, it is not at all unreasonable to say after an hour I lose interest or stop looking. That's fine. Leave. The, right. It's it's annoying when you're like we were at um, Reich's Museum or whatever it is in Amsterdam. And it's a huge, I mean, it's, a, you know, a Met Louvre kind of size museum and you're walking through it and there's amazing stuff that you want to see because you may have only be there once. And then you get to a point where you're like, I can't even see anymore. And then you come around the corner and there's, you know, Rembrandt Night's Watch and there's Vermeer's and you're like, oh my God, I need attention to look at these. And you'll sit down on a, on a thing and like stare at your phone for a minute just to like stop, you know, yeah. like let, let the input art. sort of subside, let the, t- let the creative tide go back out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then, you know? then, yeah. 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 Uh, so, so I totally understand and it's a totally reasonable thing to do. Um, yeah. I like that. Let the creative tide go back out. You got that? Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see Dwayne or no, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Dwayne yeah, C. Did, is this me? Yes, I guess it is. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, when making prints, is there a standard size for borders, a certain number of inches for X size print, or maybe a percentage, uh, mainly for 13 by 19, eight by 10, four by six, does four by six even deserve a border? Um, you know, I've been doing de- like there used to be <clears throat> what, quarter you know, inch, there used half to be inch? a quarter inch border on, on eight by tens, but I think it's, it really is your own, your own aesthetic. <laughs> you know, I, I tend to like fatter borders around larger prints. You know, I, yep. I like seeing an 11 by 14 print on 16 by 20 paper. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally, yeah, I get that. Um, it, and then, and then the question becomes, well, what do you call that when you're selling it? Is it an 11 by 14 print or right. is it 16 by 20 print with 11 by, you know what I mean? 16 yeah, by 20 yeah. page, or you have to explain it. Um, there's also the question of, well, if, if you're going to sell somebody say an 11 by 14 f- print, and I know you're not necessarily selling, but let's say you are, um, and you say it's 11 by 14 print and they go get a frame that has an 11 by 14 hole in it, but you have the border. So now it's weird to sit inside of the mat, which is on 16th of an inch around or whatever. Right. So then there's right. like the double border and it's like, well, maybe it would have been better just to do a full bleed print. Cause they're sticking in it. There's all these kinds of questions. And then the other question is what the ratios are and how they relate to, uh, the print size, right? Like if you have a, a lot of stuff that I do now is basically cropped to four by five. Well, that doesn't right. work on an 11 by 14. You're always going to have some sort of border. So then sure, sure, you know, sure, what sure. borders do you use? And like, and then the other question is, let's say it's a, a landscape print. You're putting on 11 by 14 piece of paper. That's a two by three ratio. Do you stick it vertically centered or do you stick it vertically up a little bit because you're going to sign it at the bottom and you want to leave right, a little extra right. room to all these sort of things. I, yeah. I, I've got a painting behind me. It's 12 by 24. So what size paper do I put it on? Right. Do do I do I make it a regular four three or a three two paper and just let it sit with giant borders on left and right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or do you do an eleven by seventeen piece of paper and then you have less borders or whatever? Yeah. But then yeah. somebody's gonna have to get a custom thing because you don't really find frames for eleven by seventeens. Blah blah blah. Um, yeah. Are you gonna spend five hundred dollars framing a hundred and fifty dollar print? Right. 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 Nope. Yeah. I, um, yeah, coupon gave me this print of, uh, his photo of Basquiat, um, mm-hmm. before he left and, and it's a very nice of him. And so I, I went and got a, uh, a, a frame for it. I, you know, I went to frame destinations who we recommend, or at least I recommend their yep. excellent work. Um, 
And yeah, it was like, you know, $100 for this thing, which is fine if this print is a $3,000 print. I'm fine spending $100 on that. But if I go get some pictures, we we moved some uh, bookshelves around. So now we have more wall space. And I was like, well, we need to get some pictures to put on the wall or some more art. And I was like, okay, we'll make some prints at Adorama or whatever it is. And then I was like, I don't know, we got to spend like $300 on frames to like put this crap on this wall. <laughs> you know, it's a yeah, Suddenly ass. it's like, we, we need to get some art on the wall. And then it goes, I don't want to fa- pay $300 to frame this crap. So yeah, the, exactly. like the, the sliding scale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, we have a, um, uh, Joe Strummer, uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 Shepard Ferry thing that I bought a few years yep. ago. Um, those are eighteen twenty four. Is that what, how big he does those things? Right. Yeah. So that's a weird size, right? So now I got to go get a custom thing for that. And then how big of a mat do I put on that? Let alone borders that, that he's talking about. What, you know, what kind of mat do you put on a print and how big should that be? You know, I don't want the thing to be six thirty six by 48 to, you know, to, on the wall. So it's tricky. And I don't know if there's any standard things. And uh, yes, I personally sometimes like four by sixes with a border. I do too. Um, go ahead, Alan. All right, Alan, uh, would love some thoughts from you guys on some social media stuff. Currently, I have two Instagram accounts, one for weddings and one that used to be random pictures of cats and food, but I've basically, cats and their food or cats? Cats and food. Cat. Okay. Uh, Kitties but and hamburgers. <laughs> dot com. <laughs> uh, but I've basically turned it into all boudoir photos. Of cats? Well, that's a that's a shift. <laughs> that's Somebody's a- like, oh, let's go see <laughs> Alan's pictures of cats. Oh, wait a minute, Lord. <laughs> Kitties and yeah. yeah anyway, it's a different kind um, of kitty. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I uh, I hear that consistency is key, and an account that's just full of one thing will get more traction than one that's a random wedding photo, food, and then boudoir, and then a headshot, then a product shot, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um. That's a big question. Well, no, he, keep going because the question is, yeah. okay. So. Uh, and yes, I know that IG followers mean nothing. Uh, well, it, okay. But that's, that's kind of a contradiction. If you, if you, if you do think that IG followers mean nothing, then that sort of negates that first paragraph. Yeah. All right. We'll finish. Uh, anyway, uh, I want to have a place to share my non-wedding, non-boudoir photos, headshots, conceptual stuff, super muscled rapper guy, pretty girl in the woods, that sort of thing. Another account would make sense, but I also don't want to manage and maintain and grow another account. Thoughts? Um, Headshots, conceptual stuff, super muscled rapper guy. Is he doing lots of self-portraits? Right. Pretty girl in the woods. <laughs> Pretty girl in the woods. That's um, the cat. That gets back to the cat. I, I, um, I do believe that Alan actually has started this account already because I think he followed and I followed him back this morning. So yeah, I think he made a decision. I, I Juggling multiple Instagram accounts is a pain in the neck. Uh, yeah. I will attest to that. Um and what if one gets all the love and that's really not where you want people to go? What if what if the right. what if what if the conceptual stuff gets all the love, but your bread and butter is the wedding and boudoir stuff, but that's not getting any traction? Right. Now right, you've right, right. you've you've split the you've split the stream. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you know, I have it's it's like within a hundred followers of each other on my two accounts. Yeah. But I get far more notice on the 365 account than I do on the other account. Even if I put stuff on both of them, the stuff on the 365 accounts gets more comments and, and hearts and stuff. So I don't know. But what isn't that it a means. pain to maintain? I mean, don't don't you yeah, find it's a little that you're... annoying? You know what actually I find annoying is uh, uh, the 
Instagram sort of messaging, you know, the, the, the DMing right. within Instagram, right, right, I think right. that interface is terrible. And like, it's just, it's terrible. And I, I so often overlook messages from oh, people yeah. and I don't see them for days or and weeks if at it's a time. somebody who writes you that you're not following, it puts it in that like, un. Yeah. It's like this weird nether to region to see it. And it's like, no, I just, just, I'll just accept from everybody for now. You know what I mean? Until that becomes a problem. Like, um, yeah. Anyway. So, um, yeah, you can start a new one. It, it does suck. Uh, I, you know, I guess he made a decision on this, which is just to start another one. Yeah. Um, he says he has one for weddings and one they use for random pictures of cats food. I personally would say keep the wedding one and then do the boudoir and portraits in a single stream. That would be my gut reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Jennifer, this one was the email, huh? Uh, this was an email. All right. Uh, I'm a fan of the podcast, uh, but I've not been listening for a few months due to things going on in my life. I'm a single mother. My actual career that pays for the bills takes most of my time, but photography just makes me feel alive. Uh, however, I've not picked up a camera in months. I've lost my enthusiasm in photography is like my life is just following the everyday motions like a robot numb. I guess uh, it is up to uh, it is up to Pick up me. to me to pick up. Yeah. Oh, got is that. it missing it's a thing? It's up to me okay. to pick up a camera. To, to, yeah. Just get out there and shoot. Uh, but my inspiration is gone. I'll try to find other things like uh, work, kids, etc. Just everyday life. Uh, my f- soul feels completely empty without photography shooting for pleasure. How can I get inspired? Maybe I should trade in a camera for a smaller one that I can take along in my bag. I don't know. Inspirational SOS. Uh, I noticed Jeffrey's uh, new book that may inspire me to get back into photography. Congratulations. Uh, by the way, Jeffrey got, do you have a discount code? You're not doing discount code. $30 is not. totally affordable. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, th- 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 it was one of the reasons I, that, that we did the ebook. If you, if, if $30 is, is, yeah, look at know, it, look at a vision, uh, look at it on, it, online, get the ebook for 20. Yep. Fair enough. Um, all right. So, so my immediate thing would be like, well, do you have a phone? You know, can you shoot with that? And there, there's mm-hmm. a, something you have around with you all the time. If you have a smartphone of some kind, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would not sell your camera because chances are you will get less in the secondary market than you can to be able to afford yeah. to buy a new one to replace yeah. it. And, you know, unless you're carrying around a alligator skinned Leica, in which case, <laughs> yeah, the, the Lenny sell Kravitz to some edition. guy in Tokyo. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, I think this is, this is one of those sort of binary things, which is, uh, you're you don't feel inspired and that makes you not want to shoot but you don't feel happy unless you shoot it's right. a little bit like going to the gym it's like well you just have to force yourself to do it for a while until it becomes a habit again or until it starts feeding on itself you know it takes that initial push to get the boat going mm-hmm. you know could you jennifer could you just a thought could you make because it, it, it sounds like wh- what i'm what i'm kind of reading into this is that that you're going through the everyday motions of of the sort of mundane aspects of your life at the moment. Could that, in and of itself, be a photo essay? Could oh, that's you, interesting. Could Good you, idea. Could you channel your your love for photography and the joy that you get from photography into documenting the what mundane, you see mundane. Yeah. everyday life? That's a good idea. So now you're 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 easing your way away from those those chores those motions that you call them 
and you're still shooting and documenting them. Maybe in documenting them, you see things differently. You see those actions, those chores, those motions differently, and it rekindles a little bit of your your uh, inspiration to shoot a little more. Uh, I wholly think that's a good idea. This is why we keep Jeffrey around because he comes up with ideas. Like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh, wise guy. Uh, anyway, all right, uh, Michael. So I was at the Nelson Atkins Art Museum the other – where is that? Nelson Atkins Art Museum. Well, excuse me. The Nelson Atkins Art Museum. Right. Uh, And saw that they had an exhibit of the work of Eugene Richards. Ah, Eugene I imagine you're already familiar with him. But in a nutshell, quite a bit of his work revolved around poverty, discrimination, human suffering in general. It's Kansas City, by the way. Okay. Uh, Hello, Kansas City. Now, I'm no art critic – uh, I'm just an average guy that enjoys photography on the side. That being said, I was completely underwhelmed by what I saw. In my opinion, most of the photography looked rather ordinary as if most anyone walking by with a camera could have taken the same photo. Hi, welcome to William Eggleston's entire career. It still <laughs> could be interesting. Uh, that's not in the email. That was just me. Uh, in fact, I would go so far Sidebar. as to say the only, huh? Sidebar. <laughs> Sidebar. Yeah. Uh, The only reason he had an exhibit in a major art museum was due to the subject matter. So here's my question. Why does human suffering make something ordinary into art? On the flip side, why do pictures depicting beautiful scenery, beautiful, peaceful scenery, seem better suited for jigsaw puzzles than gallery walls? Hmm. This is a a little question. Yeah, this is, this is a huge question. Okay. Could could we, could we touch on this a little bit and then maybe move that into a discussion? Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, okay. I have met Eugene Richards because he was at the, uh, up at the farm in October. Yeah. He he gave a talk. In fact, did we use him as a photographer of the week? I believe so, but I'm not sure. And I think I may have said some of this back then. Um, I found his work beautiful. Uh, I found his work excellently done. Um, I found his work incredibly depressing. Um, we I have not used him. We have not. No. Interesting. Well, you want to we use him next week? Yeah, sure. Um, okay. I, he has won numerous awards. It, Eugene Richards is one of those guys. He's basically the he's the Daniel Day Lewis of documentary photography, modern documentary photography. He's like won multiple grants from the Carnegie Foundation and Eugene Depp's award, Deb Awards and all these kind of things, right? Um, is he a MacArthur fellow as well? I think he may be, may have been, yeah. yeah. He's like one of those guys, right? Who Now, Michael, I, I agree with you. His stuff is depressing. Um, he puts himself in situations where he's around drug addicts and crazy Nazis and all kinds of stuff like that. Like that's, that's, his, that's his game. I, I disagree with you that it's, that anybody could have taken those shots. I think that Jeffrey's a little bit right in saying that, yeah, Eggleston's stuff is, you know, a, uh, a tricycle on the street, but he takes it in such a way that is, that is interesting, especially for the time. And, and Richards has been shooting forever. Um, now, and from, from what I remember about reading about him yeah. in the past, he puts himself into these places. He's, he doesn't just, he does. Of- and when he talks about it, Jeffrey, it is like, Man, this guy's like, there's, he's he's deep in it, and he sounds depressed. Like, you know, this guy is is able to do this stuff in a way that I could never do this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because uh, one of the uh, people I was up there with 
Richards is one of his is basically his to, to his Dan Winters is Richards. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, and I said, man, you you know, and he's he's a photojournalist. And I said, you really like that stuff? I was like that depressing as hell. He's like, oh, I think it's amazing, whatever it is. And I said to him, have you had anything really terrible happen to you in your life? You know, because when I look at it, it flashes me back to all of the really heavy things I've had to go through in life, like watching people die. And this, I mean, cause this is a lot of his work is that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly powerful because of that, but also because of that, I don't need to see it. You know what I mean? Like I don't right. like that sucks me in, in a way that's, that's very dangerous, but I think he does an excellent job of communicating that sort of pain. Um, now the, the larger question of why it is that topics that are, painful or painful or hard or, or these kinds of things are somehow on museum walls while a nice picture of Yosemite is not. You got an answer for that one? Uh, n- not one that's short. I mean, let, yeah. let's, let's table that and dive into that. Okay. Uh, and we can point to some of his work as example and, and maybe some of the work of like Mary Ellen Mark and even Salgado. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah, but you, you see what I'm getting at there. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. I think it's a bigger answer. Um, yeah. Well, uh, next episode, Michael, let's, let's, let's dive into that one because I think it is a big thing that's going to derail us for a while. Yeah, and I think it's, 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 it's an excellent subject. Um, I, I, hmm. Yeah, I don't know how I feel. I, I think Richards is one of those guys who's, I think he's very good at what he does. I think there's no way I could ever shoot the kind of stuff he shoots. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't want to look at it. You know, it's like almost too hard to look at, you know, yeah, it's like sure. that kind of stuff. Sure. sure um, sure. Lauren, uh, recently a photographer that's become known as somewhat of a photography marketing expert suggested that the quote, next big business in photography would be personal brand photo sessions where Heinz cli- uh, clients hire you to take nice pictures of them in their life or of their products so they can use them to develop their personal brand through social media. What's interesting to me about this is it's essentially a small time commercial shoot. They have a vision in mind uh, or need help in figuring out their vision, ensuring that it aligns with their brand. And your job is to execute. Uh, it could be that I've just gotten too sucked into the entrepreneurial world, but I feel like everyone is out there trying to make a name for themselves and thus creating a new photography niche that can be lucrative just by serving all these tiny startup companies, personal brands. What are your thoughts? I don't know that it's that much different than any other lifestyle photography. Yeah. I mean, the target might seem a little different, but I think the purpose and, and certainly the tone of it is, is similar, if not, you know, spot on. I've been hired by far more people to take, you know, sort of personal portrait, not personal professional portraits, uh-huh. what probably would have been more like a headshotty kind of thing right? from people who are not actors or, necessarily big business people, you know, people starting their own businesses and that kind of stuff or, or trying to become social media people. Like I've shot a lot of that stuff over the last few years, but, but are they, are they, what are they, what you would consider more of a traditional portrait or is this like, Hey, here's Helen and Josh out on their boat or here's, you know, so-and-so playing golf. I mean, are they, are they more formal or more 
informal. I think that kind of gets to tonally what she's, right, 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 what she's right. yeah, asking yeah, about. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, my kind of stuff is – but I, I guess what I'm saying is that even in my world, which is like more formal sort of environmental or whatever portraiture, I've seen more work like this. Now – Oh, I see what you're saying. I see, but okay. The, okay. But, the, but, but see, as you were saying, I don't think that it's necessarily that the world has changed or that work is all that new. I think it's just putting a new label – Mm-hmm. on where like the business world is going this way and more people are getting pictures taken for business. Like that doesn't mean that it's a different project necessarily. It's no. just sort of a different I, label on it. It's yeah. It's, it's a different <clears throat> look. Everybody wants it's, it's we get back to Warhol, right? Everybody wants their 15 minutes. Right. So. And, and I think that in some ways that people try to act as if, yeah, there's a revolution in the sense that, you know, you could start a Squarespace account and suddenly the whole world can find you instantly and you could sell your wares. Right. But, but that doesn't won't. mean the whole world's going to come to you instantly <laughs> no. and, and buy your stuff. Right. We all know in, that. In the same way that opening a new restaurant doesn't mean that everybody's going to find their way to it. Exactly. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. So, so I think that this is a little bit of hype of that world kind of bleeding into the way people say there's there's a question coming up further too of the idea of you know should you go become start shooting video because that's what everyone says it's like well sure i guess if you like shooting video but those are very different things you know what i mean yeah. but like if that's where the market's going that's what you need to do if if this sounds interesting to you lauren and people are asking you for it then yeah great i'm sure it's I feel like the photography marketing expert is trying to create a niche so he can be the master of that photography marketing you know what I mean? I think yeah. that's a little self And sell you on sort of the next yeah. photography I'm Ponzi scheme. I'm going to teach you how to do this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's anything It's different. like Amway, but with a camera. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, that's a good one. I'm going to add that one too. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, okay. Uh, sh- uh, sharing, sharing lights. Is yeah. there a way to monetize a website built with Squarespace? Oh, to do like ad revenue or something like that. So um, can you, can yeah, you I mean, insert in, in the same way that you can with any other website? Sure. You can, you can add Google AdWords into, into a block and have it pull it in. I'm sure can you, you could with some sort of metadata. You might have to do it in the code injection block, like insert some little script, but I'm oh, sure can you, you can, is there, could. is there a code injection block, like a text or an image block? Is there one that you can just insert code? Yes. I'm, okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, Global. I and I think, I think per page as well but i know there's one global but not within a page you couldn't have like the third block after the image and before this thing i want to stick in this oh yeah 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 you can okay, do a code do block too yeah okay, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah i guess i've just never used it so yeah i'm sure there is a way to do an adwords or whatever it is um, yeah i don't i mean you, it depends on what kind of website you're talking about and how much traffic you're getting if you're getting that much traffic you know uh you're gonna need a lot of traffic to make it worth an advertiser's right. while the only way that I have found or that kind of makes any sense to me is uh, like doing, doing uh, affiliate stuff for say Amazon, right? That could mm-hmm. be a thing if you talk about gear, you know, like lots of people do that. Um, right. But like just straight ads on a website. I, I feel like if you're using Squarespace, you're probably not the kind of person who's going to have your whole site plastered with ads. And if you are, there are so many ad blockers, both personal and or uh, desktop and mobile that right. the odds are that those ads aren't going to be seen anyway. Right, right. But you know what I'm saying? Like if you're the kind yeah. of person who's interested in nice clean layout and whatever it is, you're probably not the guy who's going to have a site-wide banner up top. Right. Wait, um, I just got to put in there twice. Uh, but uh, yeah, so um, yes, you could certainly do that with a code block. 
or you could do it with, in fact, I think there's an, even an Amazon item block inside yeah, that of pulls there. in your, your affiliate name. Yeah. You put your affiliate code in the setting yeah. somewhere and then you can just, you, in fact, I think you put it in and you can even search for stuff right there and yes, choose it or drop right. the, whatever the number is that the sort of UPC sort of number that Amazon uses. What do they call those things? Uh, I don't you know, know their item number. They yeah, that's like the ASIN number. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, Something like that. Amazon assigned stock number, probably. Yeah, whatever it is. It's just, uh, it, uh, it's a direct <laughs> deposit into Jeff Bezos' checking account. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, Steven Bambush, or Michael Bambush, sorry. I saw, I saw the S and I said Steven. Uh, how does one get better at the business of being a photographer? I'm a portrait fashion photographer that feels like he's rudderless in a sea of noise. Nothing I did in 2017 seemed to uh, be a consistent paycheck, so I don't want to head into 2018 with the same mindset. If I'm going to fail, I want to at least try every avenue I have before I throw in the towel. Uh, Go attend uh, John Keatley's Survival Guide workshop. Oh, interesting. Talks all about John. John sort of demystifies all of the the business side of photography. It's not nearly um, as exciting as you'd want it to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but he he has definitely got uh, some some great info. I don't know where. Let's see. Where's the next? Hold on one sec. It's probably in Seattle because John is in Seattle. Yeah, it, um, it depends where you are, Michael. It depends the kind of work you're doing, the kind of clients you're trying to get. Um, I mean, I see he says portrait fashion, but like, you know, are you in a place where fashion is a thing? You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I, I would, you know, I would find it kind of gets us back to a, an earlier mentor discussion, Yeah, but sure. I would find somebody that you can learn from that's, you know, that's maybe doing the kind of work that you want to do and, you know, send them an email if nothing else and say, Hey, could you, could you give me a few pointers on, on, you know, what you're doing and how you're making this part of your business work? People are generally pretty supportive in the photo community. I've found. Would you? Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know, I think you know. Of course, there's always an element of well, you know, somebody who's going to mentor you if they're in the same space as you are probably not going to give you that many clients because they're probably clawing for clients too. But right. they could certainly tell you how it is in that world or the kinds of clients they get in the place that you're at and that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? That can give you some some insight. Um, yeah, but it, yeah, it's not. It's not an easy thing and it's a constant battle and it's a constant, uh, you know, one of sort of my mental goals is to try to find, come up with some sort of marketing plan and, you know, invest, come up with like, okay, I'm going to spend $200 a month on nothing but marketing or, you know, whatever it is. Right. 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 And figure out what are the best ways to spend it? What can I do? What can I spend 30 minutes per day doing that will try to get me more work and then try to be able to measure that. Because obviously, um, if I give myself something to do every day, I'm the kind of person who can do it. I think I've proven that. So, right. you know, it's sort of a, okay, well, I just need to come up with better goals for all of this stuff, right? Um, so, I, you know, I don't know exactly what Michael has tried that has not worked. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think that we're kind of all in the same place with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Mitch, it seems... That, uh, wait, is this me or you? Is this you? you. This me. Yep. It, it seems that current sensors have blown past the amount of detail that film was able to capture. Smash that like button. That's right. Smash that film like button. 
Uh, I'm wondering if that's why it's so hard to reproduce an accurate film look. Any idea how many sensor pixels wide an average film grain might be for, say, a 100 ISO black and white film? 100 ISO Wait, black and white film is actually pretty low grain. Pixels wide. I think he's saying, like, if you had a 24 megapixel camera, digital yeah. camera. Yeah. And you were going to, and you also had a similar picture of 100 uh, ISO black and white film and you scanned it. How wide is a film grain? Is it three pixels wide? You know oh, what I mean? Okay. Like, how much over the size of the grain of, of I think, 100. ISO 35 millimeter black and white film probably has something like 24 megapixels in it. You know, something around there. There I is don't a, know. you think it's less. I, I have no idea. Okay. I, I'm just, I'm just throwing out like a gut reaction to, to what I'm, what I'm trying to say. The hundred ISO black and white film is actually pretty good. The The difference between digital and film has always been this element of, well, yeah, but film grain is irregular and has, detail in it that doesn't actually necessarily give you more detail of the image. It's just sort of a, uh, a modeled texture sort of on top of the image. Right. And you could scan that film at even higher and higher resolutions and you'll get higher and higher resolution grain, which might feel like information, but if you back up, does it actually let you read those words on that building better or whatever the thing is, right? You know, does it actually give you any more information to your brain? I think well, that it's, it's also, I mean, film is, three-dimensional yep yeah so it's it's going to you know there micro contrast is going to be different light is going to be actually reflected or refracted through through the the silver halide crystals differently than although i will say man i i feel like film grain in particular Mm -hmm. digital film grain has gotten looking really good you know yeah, I mean? it like, really has. I mean, I mean go if, go look at like the the Acros simulation yeah. that, that Fuji does. It's gorgeous. Is it the film? Have you ever played with the film section in or the film grain section in Capture One? There's a like, little bit, not much. There's like six or eight different film grains, and you can decide on the amount of it and the graininess or whatever it is. It's similar kind of stuff in Lightroom. Those are they look great. Like I I've actually been using that lately to add a little grain to my images, which of course you're not seeing on. Instagram, but if I made a print, you would you might notice it being smoothed out a little bit by sort of adding dither to to the image over the top of it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the the more difficult part is not really the resolution of film so much because you can't add the grain to a fifty megapixel image and it'll look pretty good, like just a little bit of grain, just to give it something like a little to something to hold on to, like a bite, you know. But uh, I think the the harder thing is getting the color stuff you know the old like i want my digital stuff to look like kodachrome i don't think yeah. anybody's which nobody yeah nobody's no one's I, yeah right nobody's like have you it. ever seen a digital image i mean nope right i mean there's <laughs> I mean, full stop nope right it's just it's just it's you know and, and and that's and this is even talking the fuji versions of velvia that are built into your camera i mean it's good it's super saturated i guess it's closer than anything else gets to say velvia but I feel like some of those films are easier to get than yeah. some of the older films, like the old Kodak stuff. It's like they, that stuff had a look that nothing has quite gotten yet. Uh, sadly. Um, anyway. So yeah, there's a, there's a bit of a thing. I will say the hundred ISO black and white film has a pretty small grain. I mean, mm-hmm. that's going to be pretty clean as it is. 
Um, Greg, this is me, right? Uh, I have yep. a gear question, but it's not about cameras. I've been reading up on how to start a podcast. I was curious about two things. A, what kind of microphones do you guys use? Uh, I use a Heil PR40. Jeffrey uses a Rode? Uh, no, I use a, an ElectroVoice oh, RE20 yeah. or RE320. Right, which is basically a updated version of the RE20, right? A uh, little bit different roll off, but similar, similar profile. Similar yeah, kind of similar. thing. Yeah. yeah. So we both use sort of large diaphragm dynamic yeah. mics XLR. that are sort of typical. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey goes into his H4. Is that what you have? Uh, H5. His H5. And I go into a Behringer you know, USB thingy. Yeah. Um, if you just want to use USB, um, Rode makes one called an NT USB yep. that, that's a terrific mic. They also make uh, the Rode Podcaster and uh, the Rode Procaster. I will say, though, that every USB mic, and I have a blue icicle, you know, the little uh, XLR to USB oh, yeah, the little adapter. adapter. Yeah, sure, sure. So when Conrad does reanimated, she basically takes my Heil, brings it over to the kitchen table and records on her laptop using the blue thing plugged into her MacBook Air. Um just because, you know, makes it easier for her and I don't have to move yeah. the Behringer and all the rest of it. Um, but, you know, between that, which I recorded, I've been kind of throwing around this new little interview show that I want to do with some of my friends. And I recorded one with Cisco a few weeks ago and I had his mic plugged in with that thing and my mic plugged in with this thing just because I had the way I had it set up or whatever it was. And, you know, that weird thing that happens about an hour into USB mics where it goes garbled for a minute and you got to unplug and replug sometimes. Do you know what I'm talking about? I seem to remember like the first couple episodes, maybe that happened when I was still using my, my AT 2020. Right. And my friend who, uh, my friend Bianca. I just thought it was a Skype thing though. No, it's a USB thing. It has something to do with the chips in some of the USB mics where they kind of get lost after a certain amount of time, certain amount of cycles or whatever. And, uh, what were the little, what are the little AT mics that, the the little ones, the little dynamic ones that they sell for like fifty uh, bucks or whatever. The AT the AT twenty one hundred and the AT two thousand five. They're the same innards. One is silver and uh, one is black, but they okay. both have the same capsule, and you can get them for fifty bucks, 50, 70, 60 bucks. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So those are sort of like the easy if you just want to start. You know, something that sounds pretty good. Uh, my friend Bianca has two of those for her uh, show uh, Fitless that I had her get. But you know what happens? Every once in a while, one of her mics gets garbled like that. Huh, um, really? So I wonder, yeah, and I wonder if it's like a USB thing. In fact, I was thinking if I do any more of these recordings, I'm going to plug a mic. I'm going to basically bring the Behringer over and plug everything into that. At least that way I know. Right. So just anecdotal thing. And I know I know this is a thing with some USB mics. I don't know if it's a thing with all USB mics. Um and if the new ones are better or whatever it is. So there's that. Uh, what tool do you use to edit OTP? Uh, I edit in Reaper currently. Yep. I use Reaper as well. Have you paid for Reaper? Yes. Okay. I need to pay for Reaper. It's one of the things I got to do. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. 60 bucks. 60, 80 bucks. Yeah. Something like yeah, that. But it's a, uh, it's a shareware. Would you call that shareware? Uh, Trialware? I think, I think it's probably nagware is what nagware. it's referred to as because you can uh, use it as yeah. long as you want, but every time you start the application, it will, if you've not paid for it, it'll, it'll it p- it put a up a little dialogue box and say, Hey, you know, you, you yeah. you've been, you've used it for 787,000 times. You want to pay for it yet? Right, 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 right. Um, I will but say it is though, a brilliant that, piece of software. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I use Reaper. It's great. It's not the prettiest thing all the time, but if you know what you're doing, it's 
very powerful and you can set it up. It's very versatile, like, you know, for doing it the way you want to work. If you want to take yep. the time to set it up, I will say that it's not the most idiot proof or beginner software. So, you know, if you're yeah, on a Mac, a just curve. use GarageBand. like, unless you have a reason and you know something you don't know, you know, I that- will say there is a theme for Reaper that makes it look almost identical to logic. Which one do you use? I forget the name of it. I'll, I'll look I actually it went back to the stock theme just because I figured, you know what? If I ever install it on a new machine, it's like I try to keep things stock when possible and not change too much so that I'm not right. starting over from scratch. If I well, you can you can save your config file. So if you ever yeah, do yeah, move yeah. to a new machine, just load the config file and it'll yeah, load all I your settings and the themes. Um, so anyway, Reaper is is great, and you can download it, and I'll find a yep. link on. Uh, on the, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I think it's Reaper FM is what it is. Okay. Um, Frank. Okay. This is for you. This is directly for you, Bill. Oh boy. Oh, Frank geez. begins. Bill. Bum, bum, bum. Thanks, Frank. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here. It's all right. I'm just going to eat a sandwich. <laughs> uh, as a portrait photographer who works on assignment, I'm curious as to whether you ever experience subject or even client disappointment when the three of you don't see eye to eye. For example, you or your client slash publication may see a great image, but the subject is self-conscious about X, Y, or Z. Uh, or on the flip side, the client has an expectation and the subject starts to stick their nose too far into the creative process and tries to drive. I know when we uh, shot your 365, you didn't provide any routine preview for me to worry. So I wonder if you have the best practice for keeping the balance in order to not lose creative control. I also wonder whether you practice changes based on the shoot. For instance, if the collaboration or direct client relation, whether you allow preview more to assure satisfaction between the two of you uh, since the third party, let's say publication, is no longer involved. So you want to tackle that one first? Sure. There's a a part two. So uh, I think the part two has to do more with the stuff we talked about before reaching out to people. Um, um, oh, that's, this is what you were talking about. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. So we've covered part two, so let's just go <laughs> yeah. part one. Um, sure, there are times when the subject doesn't like the picture. The subject doesn't see the pictures. Um, unless I am taking pictures uh, and sometimes I will use showing the picture on the back of the camera as a tool to loosen up the subject. If they seem like they are sitting there and they're terrified that they're looking terrible and I have a picture of them that I think looks pretty good, I'll be like, wow, look how good you look in this picture. And I'll turn the camera around and show them. And sometimes that'll go, oh, yeah, I do look good. Okay, great. You know, like then they loosen up, right? Right. Um, For the most part, though, the client, the person, the subject does not see the pictures. I do not. You know, they don't they don't get to choose them for the magazine. They don't get to see them. In fact, they're embargoed from seeing them until after the sh- after the- certainly after publication and they're embargoed from using them for a certain amount of time after the publication um, what about somebody that's that's more of a, a personality or or some or famous like, person like, yeah like like, like, like yeah, you yeah. shoot you I, I, seth I, godin do you right, do right. you show seth the picture and go hey what do you think of this uh while we're shooting yes we're, uh, only if i think that it looks really good and it'll help the shoot i don't ah, think okay. it, i don't think that you know and th- there are times when there are shoots that i've been on okay most of the time, the person there does not have a team of handlers who's looking over my shoulder, making sure things look good. That does happen from time to time. Um, years, a couple of years ago, I a few years ago, I shot this big wig guy at CBS TV. Right, 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 right. And he was kind of a handful. 
Um, and there were PR people on set who were Handlers, trying, as it were, yeah, who were trying to shoehorn themselves in. And mostly their their mandate is to make sure Joe Schmo doesn't look bad, right? You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't want him to look like a fool. He's like this fancy guy or whatever it is. But I'm not a gotcha photographer. I'm not trying to make anybody look bad or get a picture that's awkward and use that. I would never, even if I got that picture, I would never hand that picture to the magazine, right? Like that's not that's not the kind of pictures I take. And once they realize that, usually they back off. But sometimes you have to be kind of like, you know, lady or guy, like this is not, you don't, you don't get a say here. You know what I mean? Like I'm here to do a job for the magazine. I'm not working for you. You know? So there, there, there is sometimes a little bit of a, uh, you have to, you have to throw an elbow, you know what I mean? To Mm -hmm, like get people mm -hmm. to calm down because they're not my client. The magazine's my client. Um, in the situations where they are your client, there is, there is a calculation that you have to make to whether or not showing the person, the pictures. And this is what I was getting at before will make the rest of the shoot easier or harder. Right. You know, right, right, I, right. I've shown pictures that I thought were pretty good to somebody and it backfires and they're like, I don't like that at all. And then, you know what I mean? And you're like, <laughs> oh, oh, wait, no, God. no. Did I, did I show you that one? That's oh, not the one I meant. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, and, and then I've had, uh, I've also done work for a magazine years and years ago. I shot this person for a magazine that I had done some work for and they, the magazine stopped calling me and I was like, that's right. weird. And then years later they started calling me again and I, and, and and it turned out, I found out only later that the person I had shot last for them complained that they looked old in the pictures. And that was enough to get the magazine mm. to stop calling me for a year or two. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like, wait, how, you know, how did that happen? You know? Right. Uh, right. And I didn't particularly think the guy looked that old. And, you know, so <sighs> all of this stuff is a whole thing. I generally, though, I think it's a certain air that you put on that that you even if you don't feel like you have control over the situation, you need to act like you have absolute control over the situation. There's like a little bit of a perception game going on right. of, of, wow, that, that person, the, the guy with the camera really knows what he's doing. So I'm just going to stay out of the way and let him do his thing. Um, right. um, so yeah. And, and if it's a direct collaboration, if somebody's, I'm doing author photos for somebody or something like that. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll occasionally show them, but most of the time, no, I'll show them afterwards. Right. Um, so anyway, that's that's that. Um, All right, uh, one last one, Chris. Chris, I'm trying, I'm trying, to, trying to, figure to figure out <laughs> how you failed to mention Puma Clyde. Oh, this was you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Isn't that wait? Isn't that the one? Aren't Puma Clyde's the one that I was kind of alluding to? I think Maybe so. I, wasn't. I think so. I just didn't know what they were called. I have only had one pair of the Puma Clyde, and I Puma's. You know, like we were talking. I may have said Adidas, but yeah, go ahead. You find a you find a shoe that fits your foot, and Pumas just never really fit my feet. My uh, Puma. Um, yeah. Yeah. The Puma's same way never that, fit me that either. New Balance or even the Nike court shoes did. Uh, explain, explain and restore my faith in OTP. <laughs> you and your Pumas. You plan to uh, devote another show to the coolest sneaker ever. Thanks and sincere congratulations on 300. Thank you. Um, um, yeah. As soon as somebody suggests the coolest sneaker ever. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, are we are we missing any other questions? I guess that's what it. Are, can we go to the, the crit wall? Can we cause John resubmitted this? Can we can we do this yeah, one let's real do, quick? Let's do that real quick. Uh okay, so we're so, going to the crit wall. Let me go find it and put a link in the show notes. Go ahead. All right. Uh John Dilworth, picture of uh an Asian woman uh in, in a very traditional like dress. A, yeah, silk beautiful dress. silk dress. She's got gloves on, she's got a beautiful hand looks like a handbag under Sitting little tiny, like a cocktail purse under her right hand, 
and a bracelet, uh, some sort of diamondy, sparkly bracelet on her left over the gloves. And this is on this is on a the one of the retro trains it looks like. Um so there yeah. so every uh, for those of you who don't know in New York City, you know, they've had the subway for 100 and whatever years and occasionally usually at 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 holiday times they'll pull out some of the old trains and run them on the track. So instead of a new modern train, this old train pulls up and you get on and it's yeah. rattan seatings and fans on the ceiling and it's kind of you know, there are people who fetishize this stuff and like jump on in their fe- like retro clothes. Like the yeah. guy I shot the other day, my friend Matthew, who he and his wife are like big into that vintage, you know, 1920s clothing sort stuff. Of swing culture. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so this woman looks like she was on there in that kind of setting uh, and he shot a nice picture of her. All right. So go ahead. Um, I like this picture. I th- there's a big part of me that would like to have seen it in color because I have a feeling that this dress could have been really beautiful in color. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I think the black and white works fine. It looks like it's slightly soft. Um, Is that a f- and it's, it almost feels like a flash. Uh, it, it, you know what? It's, it's a little bit of motion blur. If you look at the catch lights in her eyes and the little shimmers on her eyelids, yeah. they're streaks. So it looks yeah, like a little yeah. vertical motion. Yeah, so it's a weird uh, – I wonder where that light's coming from though because that's kind of hard light coming from that Yeah, look at the side. shadow coming off of her <clears throat> yeah. her right side, yeah. I, it, you know, it's also one of those things, and I know you can't control it, but if you were going to do this for real, the the fact that there are modern people behind her, um, you know what I mean, makes yes. it a little – takes away a little bit of the thing. And again, it's not something you can control necessarily, but something that uh, – Yeah, I, I almost would have – like to seen John take a step or so to the left and and swing around so we don't see as much of them. Yeah, yeah, more of the winner. If they could jump to the left and then it's right. the right. <laughs> Just put your hands on your hips next time, John. <laughs> uh, <laughs> put your knees in tight. That's right. Um, uh, I, I do I do like the photograph. I, I again I, w- I I love this kind of brocade. You know pattern and 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 stitching and i would like to have seen that because it was probably like a a rich blue or a green or a red, one of the jewel tones that that you know maybe the the gloves are black so that's a nice contrast between yeah. them i feel like i'm missing out on a little bit and i feel like the, the the gloves and the bag that she has in her hands or whatever is going on down there is a little i would try to open up the shadows a little bit it's a little too contrasty for me mm-hmm. the other I weird thing that. about it's funny uh old film uh, uh, was was contrasty, but it also the blacks usually weren't super black. Like it wasn't high contrast, right? Yeah, it was contrasty, but it was opened up on both ends. So the the whites yeah, who were did, kind who of did cream we highlight. The, uh, who did, did that? that, kind of that stuff? Did, yeah, that opened up the like the blacks never went totally to black, and the I white think it was those go- fashion photographers we talked about that did the did the women for Time magazine. Oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. Those yep, German think, people. In fact, I did a shot that next week using similar techniques to what I think, I think they were doing. Right. Yeah, uh, and it it works really well. In fact, I've been doing that a lot lately. Like basically pulling the black up into dark gray to sort of open it up a little bit. It's it's an interesting thing. So anyway, mm-hmm. that's something to think about. I didn't. Yeah. I don't mind her placement in the frame. Although, yeah, I could either yeah swing around to the right a little bit so it's more of the Houston sign and whatever else it says up there. Right. Uh, and the window rather than the seat behind her. I think that might actually, yeah. yeah you're, you're shooting at a shallow enough depth of field that anything beyond the window is going to be rendered 
pretty well out of focus anyway. Yeah. Plus then, you know, then it's more about because the, the, the shadow on the seat and the people are all there on the left. If, if her back was essentially up to the left side of the frame, mm-hmm. you know, like you were saying, um, and you know, I don't know. I, I like her looking at us and I'm very much a strong believer in people looking at the camera sure. like connection, but this also has a, a, an element of, um, you know, if she was just looking off into space, that would be kind of cool too. Yeah, out uh, that window maybe. Who's the, the uh, who's the Audrey Tattoo did a thing for Gucci? Let me see if I can find this ad. Um, there, there. Uh, the woman who was in Amelie. Yep. Uh, did a did an ad on a train that I loved. It was for Chanel. Let me see if I can pull this up. Um, not that this is a direct correlation or anything like that, but there was a uh. There's this beautiful shot of her on a train that I had in my uh, uh, my favorites folder for a long time. I'll see if I can find it and stick it in the show notes. Yep. But it's a shot on a train of that sort of retro kind of feel in a way that 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 I really liked. And it had I could imagine this having that same sort of uh, essence to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let me I'll find that link and put it in the show notes. Uh, you got anything else to say about it? Nope. Nope. I think it's, I think it's a good shot. I just, I think it could be tweaked. It could have been tweaked at, at, at the point of shooting just a little bit to make it a little more period and a little, a little, um, less distracting with some of the background stuff. Uh, I tend to agree. <laughs> you falling apart over there? You got the, you got the no, flu? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I just, I just don't have the flu because the flu's killing people this no, year. No, no, no. Uh, you want to go to the group? What are, what are we at total? Like, I know we started, but where, where are we at? Uh, like let's a buck see. 35? Yeah. Let me, uh, yeah. Something like that. Let me, okay. uh, oh yeah. We're already over a, a minute thir- or an hour 30, but, uh, yeah. See what you can do. Uh, let's, okay. So yeah, let's nine, to, to, the next nine to five was the last thing at the group. That was the last, last assignment. Yep. Um, Kukuvika, why is there a car? Sometimes there's a car in the hallway. Why would there be a car in the hallway, Mike? What are you, where are you at? <laughs> I'm just going to leave this here for a minute. I'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put it someplace nice. Um, Dennis, uh, let's see. I had the, the luxury problem of traveling for pleasure the whole week, so I couldn't take photos for my own nine to five. Here's a shot of, instead, here's a shot of the headquarters of the GSW. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that in Berlin with 22 floors and 50,000 square meters. Quite a few people have their daily nine to five here. Indeed. That's a cool looking building. Yeah. Real cool. Wow. Um, Michael working nine to five, or should I say 9 PM to 2 AM? <laughs> Sorry. Can't, you can't say you that can't. without you saying can't it. Not do it. Uh, Simon Wells. I can't go back <clears throat> to the nine to five. Don't, don't do it. Simon. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Waller nine to five behind the espresso machine. That's a, that's a very cool, yeah, who like, is this one? Like a kimono? She's she looks like uh uh who was the uh uh the, oh, the Joanna Cassidy character from Blade Runner where she had the the tattoo of the dragon on her neck? Yeah, 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 yeah. Zora. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then David Shaw's there. He's just like this is this is many many years when I used to work nine to five. <laughs> right. Uh, um, what else? Florian. What is that? What is nineteen fifty six VW? Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. Yeah, cars used to be cool looking. Right. Remember, uh, remember cars. Pendant? I think they're I going away. Cars. I still have a car. I know. I think they're uh, going away though. Let's see. You know, my, my stepmother just got back from China and she said that, that it's all electric. All the cars are electric. Where? China. Oh, China. 
Yeah. I am in, in not Beijing surprised proper, by that at all. All the scooters and cars were electric. It was amazing for her. Um, yeah, uh, it's uh, the, um, yeah, the, the whole idea of having not owned a car for 20 years and then people saying, well, there's going to be automated cars in five years or whatever it is. And it's like, wow, it really where personal car ownership will be about somebody who's really into cars in the same way that people yeah. have old you've, cars you've missed now. nothing yeah. bill by not owning a car what are you saying that you, sarcastically you, no you've missed nothing it will come around again where where now you you don't have to have one because it, 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 they're gonna go away on a personal level right or they're I think, not gonna I, be as prominent i really think they are yeah, yeah and it's yeah it's gonna be it's like i i used to think oh maybe i can live my whole life without owning a car and it's actually starting to look like that might actually be possible. Right. You know? And whenever people talk about cars, like on ATP and stuff, when they get into their whole neutral section where they just talk about cars for 20 minutes, I'll listen just because I think it's fascinating to people that interested in something. But I'm kind of like, you're spending $60,000 on a thing that drives you around? Like, it's in, in, like that kind of money just seems insane to me. Well, you, you also have the benefit of living in a place where that's where we have that, good, that can happen. I, no, I, I understand that there are people who need cars and stuff. I'm, I'm just saying, to me, even if I had to own a car, I would never buy a $60,000 car. Right, right. I'd right, buy right. a Civic or what's the old one you had? What's the little guy you had, the Honda Fit? Honda Fit, I still have it. Right, okay, yeah, like that not, kind of why, car. I'm not going to get rid of it. It's paid off. It's got 24,000 miles on it. Right. Uh, it's a 2010. Yeah. I would buy a 24,000 miles. I would buy a little 2012 Honda Fit for, you know, yeah. 15 grand or whatever the hell it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. It had that be my car, but Or take in, this take this cab like uh Jesse O'Leary in Cuba. 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 Yeah. Uh it's good stuff. By the way, right. a, a friend of my real quick, uh what do you what, what do you think of Moon as an assignment? Moon like mooning the camera or the moon because my mother called uh, me this morning from Thailand because apparently there's a, uh, a lunar eclipse happening. How about so, moonlight? All right, moonlight. That's it's good. It's a little a little wider net. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, and let's let's do photographer of the week and get these kids out of here because okay. they're like Jesus. We guys shut up already. Uh, <laughs> moonlight. Jesus, guys, come on. Uh, I uh, so. We, I have this at the top of the uh, top of the list, and we talked about him a little bit right when I got back from the farm last October. Yes, but I think he deserves his own thing because he's really good. Uh, Hugh Kretschmer, who yeah, like is uh, a does a lot of editorial, does some commercial stuff. Um, I, his pictures of Penn and Teller are pretty great because they're kind of funky in a fun way. Look at yeah. the one of Penn and Teller with the with the Teller with the cleaver, <laughs> and yeah, the, and get there. And Penn's hands all chopped up. Nice. You know, he does this, he does conceptual stuff. And most of it is actually in camera where he's using props or he'll take pictures and then sc- wow. and scan them. He'll take pictures, print them, and then put them back in, you know, right. um, in, in such a way that it looks like it's flat from the camera's point of view. And he'll shoot that. So he does a lot of stuff that way. Um, but if you go look at, uh, let's see, the... The, the constructions and I this is the part that I thought you would be really into. He was making oh, we, yeah we, we talked, talked about, about these, these flat backlit things that he would do on a sheet of paper in a really cool way. So he was like, these are apparently on light boxes that he would cut things and slice stuff and put stuff in such a way. Yeah, this is nuts, right? Um, and they're really really beautiful. Now, here's mm-hmm. an example of stuff where he's shooting. Maybe he'd make a transparency of that thing and stick it on there. And, and right, right. This is the kind of stuff that I would never think to do, but 
I would never be able to do this well, at least initially, you know, just because this is not the way my mind thinks. But I figured right. this is very much along the way your mind thinks. Yeah. Um, yeah, these are great. I think they're just lovely, uh, especially that second one with the hand and the and the right stuff in that first one. Oh, God, the black and white almost worked better than the color for me. Wow, this is great. So he's he's seeing this from above. Yeah, Basically apparently just like this, at least. Yeah, at least these multi, these four. It's like, I guess he had, he had like a four by five camera aiming down on a light box mm-hmm. and would make stuff and print stuff and put stuff on the light box in such a way that it would he could shoot it as one shot. Wow. Um, yeah, that's really cool. They're really beautiful. And then if you go look at the fables, he so who's uh, who's our friend? Is it Ben Thomas who used to do the the tilt shift stuff? Yes. Okay. Uh, project was called City Shrinker. Okay. So so Hugh's done some stuff like this as well. He did this whole slanted, uh, uh, not the slanted one. Which are the ones? The uh, Explorations Little City. So he did a whole thing where it was similar kind of stuff, right? Dude, tilt shift to make big things look small. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you go into his Fables series, he uses this trick as well where he does this, The Perils of Being Ken. And he had this assistant who was like this really, really good looking guy. And he would use tilt shift and stuff to make him look like a, uh, uh, like a Ken doll. And he like built this box and stuck him out on the street and would lie him around at different places, like, uh, in front of a train. And that's funny. Yeah. 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 And he would actually build this stuff and look at the one, look at the one where it's the, uh, it's like fifth one down the toy store where he's being held. Um, that is him standing being held by some sort of contraption and that's uh uh i think he said that was a printout of a person's hand printed big so it's actually him in perspective you know what i'm saying Mm, like this wasn't mm -hmm. photoshop it was him standing where he needs to stand and then the big hand and did the focus such that it felt like he was small and then the one further down where it has the label on his face yeah that's that's a single shot like real wow right so this guy's doing stuff that's really quite amazing uh, and obviously yeah. taking a lot of time to do it. Look at blustery Assembly day required. That's great too. Yeah. Look at, but wait, look at, look at the, yeah. Look at the, uh, oh wait, yeah. Let's see that assembly required. Okay. Yeah. That's that. There's a good one. Um, oh, and then blustery day. Yeah. yeah go look great. at blustery day. Look at, okay. So he has a weird thing where he, you know, these are obviously the kind of things where you're laying down or whatever it is, like where he changes the perspective. Right. Uh, of, of the shot, but he's Looks building like he's these using some liquefy too. Yeah. But he's building these crazy sets. Wow you know, to do this stuff. So, um, very cool work. If you haven't looked at Hugh's work, uh, he was a very nice guy and, uh, I give him yeah. nice. some mad choice. Hugh so, Kretschmer. Yep. Is that how you pronounce it? Kretsch. I Kretschmer? do believe it is. He's out in LA Hugh now. Kretschmer. Apparently he used to live in Gowanus. He used to live in New York. Uh, somebody told me recently, but, uh, he's out in LA, uh, and he was at the farm too. And he was very nice, gave a talk. And uh, I think his work is beautiful. So there you yeah. go. Hugh Lovely. Good choice. Uh, Good choice. got anything else? Uh, no, let's let these people out. Okay. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, three, four, seven, six, eight, seven, 94, 11. Uh, we already have a big show and a lot of stuff to talk about next week. So, uh, I think it'll be, yeah, good it's going to be a good one. I think, uh, right. Apple Wadman at Jeffrey Sidoris photography by the letter.com, uh, Wadman three, six, five on Instagram. If you want to buy a dream print, you can go to my website and find those. How Anything big are those else? prints? I'm doing 11 by 14 paper. They're a little bit smaller depending on the ratio. And I'm yeah. also doing, 16 by 20 or 16 by 24 full bleed. So I'm are they limited ones, so. or open run open run right yep, now? Good. Um, signed on the, the front or signed on the back signed on the back for the big ones signed on the yeah. front for the little ones. Um, I will say that they look 
really good as 16 by 20 like big they look really yeah, cool yeah um yeah, you should try printing one like just just for you go really 20 big. 30 or 30 40 or something yeah you know what's interesting though that uh and some of them could definitely do that some of them mm-hmm. were shot on a 5d some of them were shot on a d810 ah, okay. uh, only one or two of them was shot on the new camera because these were yeah. all pre the pentax um but like the moonshot, that one was shot on a on a DA10. That one could go thirty by forty five or whatever. Easily. Right. Uh, I'm I'm probably going to do one of those and stick it up on the wall. Just to the see it, you know, like just yeah. to see how it like do, take advantage of the next Elko like poster sale or yeah, something. Twenty five bucks or whatever it is. Like, yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Um. So uh, I may do that. And if oh, one other little quick thing. Um, when I was going through my closet, I had the presentation, the display prints that I used on my Drabble show that I did like six years ago, seven years ago. Right. And they're in my closet in frames, just sitting there on shelves and I need to make room. So if anyone is interested in the New York area and interested in pretty much all of the drabble sale, if there's one that you want, they're 20 by 30 inches. They're in a frame. There's no glass. They're like on gator board in the frame, black frames. And there might be a little scratches on the frame or whatever it is, but they're in pretty good shape. Uh, if you want them 50 bucks a piece, are they on your site somewhere? I have not put them on the site. This is just something I thought of the other day that I wanted to mention. All right. Uh, so yeah, go, so go check if out. If anyone's interested, uh, com. let me know. How big are they again? 20 by 30. 20, so wow, they're big. pretty big prints. Yeah. Uh, they were the ones that were up at the gallery. If you, if anyone had seen those back in the day. So anyway, put that out there. Yeah. Um, cool. Excellent. We'll see you next week. We got a lot to yep. talk about. Um, have a good week, everyone. Go take pictures. Who, wait, who was it? Uh, was it Jennifer? Jeremy? Yeah. Jenny, Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah, oh, it was take uh, pictures, Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah, go take yeah. pictures. All right. See you later. See ya. Going on and on the way we are for so long. To any fool, it's plain to see something's wrong. As this way, say what you want to say. Say